an hour of truth for the battered but proud people of the Empire State. From the financial and entertainment epicenter of New York City to the sleeping and empty small cities and towns of upstate, which once bustled with manufacturing, mining, and farming. We all know from inspiration, history, and nature, we deserve a return to the success and growth of generations past, a birthright being squandered by corruption in Albany, and the depredations of an insecure, scheming mountebank posing as governor, who loathes both us and himself. As liberty beckoned to enslaved peoples behind the Iron Curtain via American broadcasts after World War II, we now say, believe, rise, and join us. Welcome to Radio Free New York. Hey everyone, welcome to Radio Free New York. Great to be with you today. Happy Thursday, everyone. Man, we had a whole bunch of news come out this morning, so we're going to talk about a couple of those things. Uh, I am also joined by uh, Bob Savage. Hello, all. Hello, Bob. How's it going? Going well today. Uh, I'm COVID-free. Pleased to report that. Uh, I'm not uh, like Louis Gohmert, uh, so I think uh, steady as she goes here. Nice. Oh, did you get one of the tests? No, I'm not going to. You're, just, you're not, just pretty sure. I'm not going to get one of those tests, no. You don't want to get your brain poked? No. Because like no, no. I've seen it. Have, I haven't gotten one yet. I went to go get one before because I had been hanging out with a bunch of people and traveling and whatnot. So I was like, all right, like let, let, me, let me take one of these tests. I want to see what it's like. And you go there, and in Monroe County, you go to, like, uh, the, the community college campus. You drive up and everything. They have this weird radio thing on repeat. You turn into an AM station, and they're like, you know, don't get every vehicle. Uh, drive up and, you know, pull in slowly, whatever. And uh, as I got there, like, a massive downpour happened. And they're like, yeah, it's uh, – we can't do the testing until the lightning passes. And there's a, like maybe, like, 60 cars in a parking lot. So I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not I'm not waiting around for this. I'm not showing any symptoms. I'm pretty so sure what's I'm the fine. over under? Uh, how long do you think it's going to take for your positive test results to come back? You know, I've been wait. I've heard stories about that, so I was waiting because I think it would be an interesting test to see. Like, oh, do I get a a notification that I, I'm positive for COVID nineteen? If I if I had gotten that, I would have shared it on this show like the next day. But I haven't gotten that yet. I've heard other stories of people get, having that happen to them, though. Interesting to see what happens. Yeah, because there have been other instances of people who've run out of time or it was just, you know, they just decided to reconsider. They didn't want the test, pulled out a line, went home, and then their test results showed up positive. Uh, I, I, I just pass along for what it's worth what my general practitioner told me. Now, last winter, I think I had it. And I've, I've shared this with uh, people either on this show or others here on the station. And I, I had a, you know, like about a six-week bout of some really nasty respiratory thing. I went through three courses of antibiotics, had respiratory therapy. Uh, I had the mother of all coughs. I had I checked all the boxes, you know, the high, mm -hmm. the, the cough, the high fever, and all that stuff. Uh, finally went away in, you know, early March. It, it really came on me in, in late January. And uh, during the process of all of this, I was in the emergency room at one point, got a test, a chest X-ray for um, bronchial pneumonia. That was negative. I also got the flu swab. That was negative. My general practitioner told me later on, we were talking about various different things on my chart, and she said, you know, that's really an indicator that you probably had COVID. The fact that you were negative for flu, negative for pneumonia. Uh, she said, don't get tested. 
<laughs> because if you have a positive result, you're going to be, you know, your friends and family through contact tracing are going to be pestered forever. So uh, yeah. I just uh, pass that along to folks. Yeah, I mean, you, it might be interesting if you could take one of them like antibody tests, right, to see like if they, it shows up in your blood that way. doesn't matter. If, if you test positive in any way, shape, or form, first of all, the interesting thing about that is that's counted as a new case statistically. And right. that's, what's well, technically. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's swelling the numbers uh, nationally, all these you know, hair-on-fire reports in the media of, oh, my gosh, the cases are through the roof. Well, it's because testing is up and because a lot of people have been exposed. And like you suggest, they've got antibodies. Yeah, I mean, that, that could absolutely be part of it, too. I think there's some positive cases. And, of course, there, there are real cases. This is something that's really affecting people. And fortunately, the news broke this morning, too, that, that Herman Cain had passed away from uh, COVID-19, which is uh, just awful. And, uh, you know, I, I would say, like, I don't think this is anyone listening on this station, on this show. But, like, for the folks who are like, oh, man, this is... They're almost gleeful in his death, and that's gross, guys. Like, knock that off. Like, I know he attended the Trump rally, and that's my, my might be where he got sick. But don't don't be gleeful about it. It's gross. Just no, the, well, a man died. That's uh, you know that's unfortunately that is indicative of the quality of political discourse that's going on in this country. I mean, just just what's happening in Congress the last two days is absolutely appalling. Uh, that the the treatment of Attorney General Barr. Uh, by the Democrats was it, it was I, I don't know w- whether the Democrats think they're helping themselves doing that kind of thing 99 days out from an election uh, but uh, I hope they keep it up you know, from my perspective and then and then what's going on with you know when the tech giants were being grilled by Congress yesterday the free-for-all that was going on there it's it's See, insane. I- I paid more attention to the tech stuff uh, than I did to the the William Barr stuff, so I got to catch up on all that. You know, I pay attention to tech stuff because that's kind of my job. I do like you know advertising uh, in in my non radio life. I, I do advertising on Facebook and Google, and wh- when I when I see members of Congress question uh, technology CEOs, I, I can't help but wonder how anyone ever can think. You know what? These guys should be in charge of regulating tech companies. It's it's these guys should be the the ones setting the rules and regulations for this stuff. They're clueless every single time. There's there's always just you know quite a few clips of people asking dumb questions like um, I'll have to look up the the member of Congress who did this, but the member of Congress asked like you know well how are my emails ending up in spam? You know are you discriminating against me? And I'm like no, that's not how that works, guys. That's I well, don't know anything about this. Yeah, that's typical. I mean, m- members of Congress think that they're experts on everything. They're experts on education. They're experts on health care. They're experts on transportation. They're experts on foreign policy. They don't know anything. It's Hollywood for ugly people. You know, that's uh, th- that's what Congress has traditionally been. And the, one of the major contributors to this phenomenon is the advent of broadcast television after World War II. Nobody ever heard any- anything from any member of Congress prior to TV. You know, they were just people who went to Washington and, you know, they pushed papers around and regulated, you know, arcane rules about railroads and livestock and what have you and left us alone. But unfortunately, when the Commerce Clause got expansively uh, interpreted by the 1930s U.S. Supreme Court and basically Congress found themselves in the position of being able to regulate every aspect of our existence simply because it affects interstate commerce, 
that's how we got into this boat. And ever since then, there's been this exponential increase in the size and influence of, of uh, the federal government. Yeah, and and we expect these members of Congress to know and understand everything, guys. It's not possible. There's there's a human knowledge problem. They cannot possibly know about every single aspect of his industry. They just don't. They well, don't. If, they like were, they, if, if they were, if they knew about the tech business, they'd be in the tech business, right? <laughs> right. I, I mean, if they knew about transportation, they'd run Ford or General Motors. Yeah, where are they good at? They're good at getting elected. That's that's what they're good at. They're not good at telling me how to run my life, telling you how to run your life, or telling you how to run your business. And, you know, they, they need to set a simple set of rules for stuff like, okay, let, let's uh, maybe at the state level, too, is usually where this stuff should be. Simple set of rules for fraud, for, you know, theft, for things like that. And then the rest just mostly butt out because they're, they're trying to micromanage this stuff. And, I, and, I, and I'm seeing it both on the Republican and Democrat side in the tech stuff where they're like, Facebook's too big. Facebook's discriminating against me, blah, blah, blah. No, no, that's not what's happening in most of these cases. You know, like I, I'm concerned. I think I said something wrong yesterday where I said Facebook pulled down that video of the doctors. That wasn't true. I made that mistake. So did members of Congress. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I mistakenly said that. But Twitter did pull it down. I think it's worth talking about, you know, what, whether or not we should continue supporting products that take down speech and try to, to regulate that. But you have the choice to not use that. If we entrench these interests and Congress regulates them and then they start catering to the establishment government interests to, to shape acceptable speech, that's incredibly dangerous. I think that, that – the government needs to butt out of this stuff. If Facebook and Twitter are being a problem, we need to go and address that on our own, and we need to make sure that like, we be vigilant about this and either criticize those companies when they're getting out of hand or start finding alternatives to them because they aren't necessarily going to be around forever. People thought Internet Explorer was a monopoly on the Internet browser business. It wasn't. Now, you know, uh, Google Chrome has a greater uh, share of browser support than, than uh, Internet Explorer ever had. Incumbents change. Main products change. We need to allow that creative, destructive process to happen over time. And as soon as the government starts getting their tentacles and stuff, it locks these things into place. Services drop. And we actually get a scary regulation of speech. Yeah, and when we get into a situation, exactly. And when we get into a situation where government is so pervasive, I mean, only really in the last two generations have Americans found themselves in constant contact with their federal government in one, you know, usually through taxation, but now through other regulations as well. And it's the old phenomenon, you know, when you've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. We have a standing army against freedom, basically in the form of the federal, you know, uh, government and then the bureaucracies which it has spawned uh, and so if you have the standing army what they're going to do is they're going to figure out things to do and they're going to pass regulations and they're going to poke their nose into your business and start ordering you around and telling you how to live and pretty soon you're going to find uh, them doing precisely what they're doing now which is full-on attack on the constitutional free uh, you know pr principles of freedom and that's a really scary thing and that's why we're headed towards really kind of a second american civil war if we're not there already yeah. So speaking of constitutional attacks, we'll, we'll talk about what President Trump said this morning because, man, my news feed's blowing up about it. Uh, right here on Radio Free New York. We'll be back in just a couple minutes.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whatever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. You're listening to Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you for joining us. We're live here on WYSL from noon to one. And if you want to participate in that conversation, give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 585-346-3000. And uh, if they're not in the WYSL uh, immediate area, Bob, what's that number that they can call, the 800 number? That would be 866-552-1009, 866-552-1009, and you call that between uh, noon and 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yep, yep, good, good reminder of that. And, of course, shout out to all of our friends who are uh, listening down the line to a WACK in Newark and WNY, the Patriot, down in the southern tier. We love you guys, too. Thanks for listening, and thanks for our uh, listeners online, too, on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. You guys rock. So so I titled this episode for people watching online, uh, Does President Trump Have the Ability to Delay the Election? Can he delay that? So, so of course, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you're, you know, going to work and not paying attention to social media and you're, you're listening to this on your break uh, and you haven't seen any of this stuff. Um, Donald Trump tweeted out about three hours ago. Uh, with universal mail-in voting, not absentee voting, which is good, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. It will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote? Three question marks. So he did that. Uh, people are freaking out because uh, a lot of folks are concerned that, that President Trump is going to try to either find some way to delay the election and or claim illegitimacy in the election in order to to stay in office. Um, but the quick answer to my question, can President Trump delay the election, is no. No, he cannot no, he can't. delay the election. He can't do that. Uh, so, and I, now, of course, let's look at the Constitution. What does the Constitution say? You know, in, in Article 2, uh, Section 1, it says, the Congress may determine the time of choosing the electors and the day in which they shall give their votes, uh, which they shall be the same throughout the United States, saying that the presidential election is set by Congress. Well, right there, there's an issue that we can talk about. The day shall be set by Congress. And that's what the time of the election is supposed to be. So yeah. how do we factor in early voting, you know, uh, uh, absentee voting, uh, voting by mail, and all that other stuff? Uh, you know, that's that's a fair question. I mean, I think that the states have the ability to administer that. So the electors are selected on, you know, that, that day in November. Was it November 3rd this year? Um, but how those are selected is determined by the states, right? It just the day those are selected are determined by Congress, but how those are 
selected are kind of determined by the states unless the rules of the Constitution supersede that. Right. Well, the, the, the rules of the Constitution always supersede. The, the rules exactly. of the Constitution are the rules of the Constitution. And right. that it should be without for, saying. It contemplates that. an election day, an election day. Uh, and uh, personally, my sense is, my feeling uh, is uh, get your butt to the polls or you yeah. don't vote. Uh, unless you're serving in the military or there's some other um, overriding factor that uh, that's why we do have absentee ballots. Uh, but this voting by mail is insane. Uh, and that's actually what's going on here with Trump, in case you folks haven't picked up on this. He's trying to draw attention to this insane idea that people, you know, can uh, can respond to balloting like it's junk mail. And uh, and and send in your vote and have it be anything that's, you know, not completely captive to political interests and extremely vulnerable to fraud. And he's right about that. Well, you know, I see that Washington State does mail in voting. Now, you you and I have had this discussion before. I, I know we agree disagree on this stuff. So you know that that that, that is what it is. But you know the. Washington State seems to administer their mail-in voting pretty well. I think in New York State, mail-in voting was an absolute mess this year. I mean, it wasn't full mail-in voting. It was expanding absentee balloting, right? And so we had weeks of delay with being able to count those because the boards of election throughout New York State were just not prepared to be able to handle that influx of ballots and not prepared to be able to count those in a timely manner. And I do think that's a legitimate problem that boards of elections need to figure out right now. If you want to expand people's ability to be able to, to vote uh, via mail, like we got to make sure that it's done quickly. Like we don't want a situation where we're going to be in, you know, mid to late December not knowing when they actually have the electors start to get together. We, we don't want them to get together and not know what the results in some states are. Well, that's, that's what we're setting ourselves up for here. And that's really kind of uh, implicitly what Trump is talking about. And others have brought this up as well. I mean, Hillary Clinton was supposing allowed a couple of weeks ago that what if what if President Trump doesn't leave office? Well, uh, what we're setting ourselves up for is uh, a an equivocal result from the election where nobody knows what the popular vote really is, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's not clear what the, what the true results are, in which case you have a, a suspect elective result. Uh, so how do we resolve that? Yeah, well, the funny thing about that, too, is that the Constitution does set the exact day that the term ends. If it doesn't get resolved uh, by January 20th at noon, uh, and the electors have not come together and picked a president, the House of Representatives gets to do that, uh, and it would probably be the Speaker of the House, whoever that may be in January, because the, the members of Congress get sworn in on January 3rd. So we could end up with uh, President Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> So I asked this. Or, or I, Joe Biden or I asked, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I asked this question. Uh, what what is the necessity for this for mail in voting? Why do we want to change the system? 
the necessity for mail-in voting is that a lot of people feel that it is unsafe to go to the polls, uh, that in order to be able to exercise their right to vote safely, if you're a part of a vulnerable population, like say you're older or you're immunocompromised, you should be able to easily vote via mail because the fraud rates, while they are higher for in-person voting, are still relatively low that it's generally not enough to swing the election. So making it is as easy to vote as possible uh, seems like a virtue. What, 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 uh, what, what, did you say that the, the, the fraud is, high, is higher with in-person voting? No, it's, it's higher than in-person voting. Oh, than in. I, I thought you said still, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah All right. No, I, no, no. I misheard you. Although, I remember, there's, I, I'd have to look this up now. There's some tweet by Donald Trump say, in 2018 saying, like, oh, in-person voting can be fraudulent, too, because people can just change their clothes and, and say that they're a different identity. So, you know, take that for what you will. Well, just, uh, just look at our track record here in New York. I mean, what's going on now? We have, uh, we, we have this two-step uh, initiative, which has gone on, uh, which has been in uh, pushed by Governor Cuomo. First of all, we know that illegals have the right to vote, or rather can get driver's licenses. And that is tantamount to having the right to vote when you layer motor voter on top of that. And also the, the practices which are force-fed to the local boards of election where they can't ask for ID. But, but I want to stop you right there. Just, just because they can get a driver's license doesn't mean they can vote. Can, can immigrants vote now, legal immigrants who can get driver's license, drive around, do things like that? Can they vote? No, legally. No, I mean, it, but yeah, if they're going to vote illegally, then that's a whole other thing. They have to find the identity of a, a, a citizen to be able to, to enroll and then go and vote. It, it, it's no more unsafe now that undocumented immigrants who can get documents, I guess, by getting a driver's license, that, that doesn't create any extra incentive for voter fraud in that case because people who are not citizens can get driver's licenses and they still can't legally register to vote. So uh, what, what about voter ID? You in favor of voter ID at the polls? You know, I, to, to me, it's, again, it's probably not worth the hassle to have to do that. I, I imagine that it's going to end up with a lot of people having to vote by affidavit, and it's going to end up being a, a huge pain in the butt. Again, voter fraud in the U.S. is really low. The, the only major instance of voter fraud that's happened in the last, like, several years was um, – there was a, a special election. Oh, I want to say it was North Carolina. Uh, and and the, the accusation of voter fraud was that people were, were collecting the absentee ballots. There's a, a Republican candidate team who was, who was collecting the absentee ballots and turning them in, um, which is not legal. <laughs> But what about, uh, what about vote harvesting, as in California? Vote harvesting. That's, oh, that's what it is. That, that's, that's the term I was taking up for. But, yeah, vote harvesting. You know, that's something else we can talk about. Uh, running out of time for this segment, though. Thanks so much for listening to Radio Free New York. We'll be back after just a few-minute break. Talk to you soon.
A reminder from Abate Monroe County. American bikers aim toward education. Distracted driving is dangerous, so pull over and eat. Don't try to read your mail and newspaper and stay off your cell phone. Make a mental note to be more alert, making it a habit to expect the unexpected. Remember to look twice. Save a life. Train yourself to watch for motorcycles which are harder to see. Join Abate and your family will be protected with a free $4,000 accident policy. Ride safe. Ride free. Ride often. Abate. If you ride, ride with us. Google Abate Monroe County. You're listening to Radio Free New York. All right. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm Kevin Wilson. Show today joined by Bob Savage, who's in the WYSL studio. Man, the controls. Make sure everything goes smoothly. And, you know, we were talking about President Donald Trump asking just asking a question you know should we delay the election um again i i think this is this has a number of people concerned people think that the uh the president's trying to delay the election wait, because he's worried wait, about hmm? he, he has a lot of people concerned you really yes. believe a, a, a significant number of people really think that the presidential election is going to be delayed i think that president trump has said these types of things before and and well, let me back up. To answer your question, do I think a lot of people are actually concerned? Yes, I do. I think that people are genuinely concerned when President Trump says something like, "Let's maybe we should delay the presidential election." They take him at his word. You know, why why, why shouldn't we take him at his word? Because uh, it's not a serious suggestion. I think he's trolling people. And he's, he's trying to. This is a, a, a well. What is happening is exactly what he wanted to have happen, which is for everybody to talk about this. Yeah, and and I want to talk about the thing he's probably trying to distract from in a minute. But like, I mean, are you okay with him trolling people like this? A president make it like if President Obama made a joke about even if it, I, I'm not convinced it's a, it was fully a joke. But if if he said something about delaying the election, that how how would you react? If uh, President uh, if Barack if, Obama if, said something like it, this in in 2012, if he had said you know we should look at delaying the election. How, how would you I, react? I don't know. You'd have to ask me in 2012. And I, you know, look, I, I don't think this is a serious suggestion. I don't think it's worth getting our, all of our uh, shorts in a knot about it. Uh, he's trying to draw attention to potential fraud, which is the dominant uh, opinion, I think, concerning mail-in balloting. I I'm not sure that it is the dominant opinion concerning mail-in ballot. I'm, I'm convinced that it's the dominant opinion among uh, some conservatives. I'm not sure it's the, the dominant opinion nationally. I think I think a lot of people think we should just do mail-in voting better. Again, Washington State does this. Uh, other states have done this successfully. Finding the process is to make sure that we minimize fraud while making it easier for and more convenient for people to vote seems what? to make sense. It's also easier and more convenient for people who want to defraud the system. Where's the security? What about the custody of the ballots? The custody of the ballots going to be in the, in the hands of the USPS? That's a good idea? Yeah, do you think the USPS would tamper with the uh, the votes? I mean, there, there's pretty strict rules on, on their ability to tamper with the mail. Well, let's let's and, let's see about this. Uh, there's been all kinds of cases. You can look them up. There are legion examples of postal employees interfering with mail, stealing stuff, uh, diverting. Uh, mail, destroying mail that for whatever reason hasn't been uh, d- delivered, so they want to get rid of the evidence of the fact that they were incompetent and didn't deliver the mail. It's all over the place. But Bob, couldn't election officials do the same thing? Much less likely. First of all, why, much, why? much sm- well, much smaller organizations than the U.S. Postal Service. 
I mean, I think everything's kind of decentralized, which which makes things a bit better, right? Like any any one employee in any one place, like either the election employees or the USPS employees, like it's anyone couldn't totally disrupt the entire process, right? And that that's why I think I, I don't like big national laws on election systems. I think that we do need decentralized election systems for exactly that reason, because we need to make sure that there can't be that any fraud isn't widespread enough or centralized enough to be able to interfere with the integrity of the entire process. Aha, touche. What is more centralized, uh, what is more bureaucratic, and what is bigger than the U.S. Postal Service? Um, well, the rest of the federal government, for that matter. But, okay, you know, but we're not talking about the rest of the but, federal but, I mean, government. Bob, come on, you're concerned, Joel. I mean, you know, like, the, these these are processed in, like, processing plants all around the country. I don't think there's there's any mass conspiracy among the U.S. Postal Service to try to to interfere with the ballots in the election. I mean, I, there's no there's no evidence of that. It's just concern trolling of, uh, of a hypothetical no i don't think right? I, and, and i agree with listen I, I agree i don't think there's a central conspiracy uh where the u.s postal service is going to be the stormtroopers to hijack elections i don't think that's the case however i do have concerns over the security the 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 chain of custody of the ballots and right now we have you know we have a, a it's it's very important that we have private ballots that your that the way that you vote is kept secret and it's not subject to being diverted or um you know so, somehow uh discarded or defeated in some way because every every instance of that basically deprives that person of their their uh, their franchise their right to vote and it, it also dilutes the validity of the voting system so i'm, I'm just i'm just concerned well, about that yeah, sure. So, I mean, as far as I know, except in states that have totally moved over to mail-in balloting that were doing that before, like Washington, you know, is anyone prohibiting in-person balloting? I mean, you could always, if you don't trust that system, could you just go vote in person too? Well, no, but I, that, sure, you can still go and vote in person. But the point being that if the if fraud takes place in the mail process, that then negates other people's votes. I mean, maybe. I mean, I feel like the the type of folks who are concerned about this, if you're concerned about that that process uh, and that you don't think that the, the chain of custody is secure enough with mail-in voting, and I, I'm not sure I agree with that, then then you could always go and, and vote in person and, you know, make sure that you're able to do that. Yeah, you but know, again, and, again, that if it's not just a matter of, oh, I think that the, the voting process by mail is, uh, is too susceptible of fraud, so I'm just going to do it in person. That doesn't negate the uh, the, the the cancellation of the effect of my vote by a fraudulent vote. So you're saying that the the fraudulent votes could be people who were not actually voting by mail, that right. someone had claimed to be this person right. and was filling out a ballot. So it's in some hand. way, shape, or form, the mail-in system is, is, is fraudulent. So that's what's called nullification, because for every fraudulent vote, a legitimate vote is nullified. Right. Okay. So – that is that is a point that's much less bonkers than maybe the USPS is messing with things because I don't think that. But but again, I the the past studies on this like suggest that that voter fraud is relatively low across all forms of of balloting. You know, again, there are other states that have done this. The, to to me, the better thing to do is to find ways to make this more secure, and to, to find ways to to be able to to audit the system to make sure that it's. Uh, working as intended and 
and also making sure that the counting process is quicker. Because I, I think that that's a legitimate issue that I'm worried about. And I think that when, when I say that uh, many people are worried about what President Trump said this morning, what they think is happening is they think that he's trying to undermine the legitimacy of the election to suggest post-November if he loses. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what, what folks have been posting about today and I've been seeing folks talk about today. They think that this gives him a way to say the election was illegitimate and I should stay in office because of that. Now, constitutionally, you can't do that. Like, But it all depends on how it's enforced and, and what ends up happening in this case. That we're going to get a situation like we've had in, in other in other um, times, like 2000, where there's there's uncertainty about the results of the election, and that's you know not a good thing. Now, in 2000, of course, it was resolved quickly. But just looking at our history too, you know, ha has the election ever been delayed because there was concern about election fraud? No, the, no. the election has never ever been delayed. Not in the War of 1812, not during the Civil War, not during World War II, during none of these times. It has never ever happened. And it won't. So, it won't happen this year either. No, it's not going to happen because con Congress ain't going to do it. The Congress has to be the one to, to change the date. If we're going to change the date, they ain't going to change the date. It ain't going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I again, to me, I, I, I don't like this tweet. And I think it is a distraction in the sense because, uh, you know, we'll talk about this in the next segment. But there's there's some economic news that came out today. And, and people are suggesting uh, that Dr. Jorgensen from the Libertarian Party and uh Governor Gary John, former Governor Gary Johnson suggested that, oh, maybe President Trump's just trying to get to talk about this, so we're not talking about that. I, I, I'm not sure that I totally agree with that, but I do want to talk about the economics. I, I, I think this is, you're probably right. This is probably a way to highlight his concerns, it made in good faith or not, about mail-in balloting, which he has talked about quite frequently. And... So yeah, that that's that's probably what it is. It's 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 him trying to to draw attention to this important issue. And again, I think I'm on the other side of this. I, I I've talked about it before. I'm fine with mail-in balloting. I think that we should actually move over to to forms of digital balloting that we can find secure ways. If I can securely pay my taxes online, if I can securely like apply for a bank loan online, I should be able to securely vote online. There should be a way to do it. I want to figure it out. Well, we'll be back with more of uh, Kevin Wilson, the uh, the Never Trumper. No, I'm just kidding, Kevin. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, but obviously, Kevin has never dealt with the Social Security Administration, <laughs> or he wouldn't have all this uh, this confidence, which I will characterize as misplaced. Go ahead, take us out, Kevin. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, fair <laughs> enough not to trust the government, Bob. You got me there. All right, but we'll be back here on Radio Free New York in just a couple of minutes. Talk to you soon. Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals. But don't take my word for it. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. If your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals, give the professionals at Simple Tech Innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations.
Radio Free New York. Welcome back to Radio Free New York. I'm your host today, Kevin Wilson, joined by Bob Savage. And, you know, I'm here to try to drag our U.S. government voting system into the 21st century. And Bob, Bob just want, does not trust the government to do that effectively. Because everybody knows that the United States Postal Service is the, is the epitome of 21st century technology. Licking a stamp and putting it on an envelope and putting it in a, a big old dirty outside box. That's tech. See, to, to me, I would be happy to find ways to privatize the U.S. Postal Service, to unleash them, to, to do whatever they want. And I expect drone deliveries. I want the convenience of drone deliveries within the next few years. And I want to bring that technology and that convenience to government. I, I, I don't think it's an unreasonable request. Now, can the government pull it off without it being a total mess? Well, that's the whole other answer altogether. But a man can dream, can he, Bob? A man can dream. And uh, I don't have to dream because I just had, uh, let's see, from the Hill... Handed to me some breaking news. Uh, let's see. This is from July 10th from the Hill. Postal worker pleads guilty to election fraud after changing party affiliations. Hmm. West Virginia postal worker facing time behind bars after pleading guilty to attempted election fraud Thursday. Thomas Cooper, a mail carrier in Pendleton County, West Virginia, pled guilty to one count of attempted to fraud the residents of West Virginia of a fair election. And one count of injury to the mail after he was found to have altered absentee ballot requests using a black pen. Okay. Sounds so. like we got him. Great. Cool. We, we, we caught the folks, and they're going to face some harsh penalties for that, ain't they? Well, uh, yeah. I, let's see. I don't know if the— uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure uh, election workers do this, too. Eight Again, years. This isn't an eight odd, years in prison, yeah. Eight years? Oof. Yeah. Rough time. Probably shouldn't do that, folks. Seems like a bad plan. And again— Election workers do this stuff, too. It, the, the point is is to, to reduce instances where this fraud and this uh, tampering is possible. I don't think it's to, to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But, all right, so I, I did want to talk about – there's another breaking news thing. Yeah, we chewed this up pretty good. Today. Yeah, no, I, I, think we, I think we got it. I think pe- people know where we stand now, Bob, uh, but we beat this dead horse a bit. All right. The other thing that the, the big headline that came out today was that there is a 32.9% er, uh, decrease in the economy in the second quarter. That's not that's, a surprise. So huge, huge uh, decrease in uh, the, the GDP for the economy. So to, to be clear about some of this stuff, too, that's, that's a second quarter compared to the first quarter, uh, 32. Uh, nine percent it's actually 9.5 percent smaller than q2 last year so it's not as much as you would think it would be but it's still pretty serious 1.43 million people imply uh, applied for unemployment last week funny things like that happen when you shut down the economy yeah so looking pretty bad the 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 numbers are definitely not where uh, we we would hope they would be in any sense and and you know People are saying like Donald Trump is is trying to distract from this with his tweet today. You know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not totally sure if that's true. No, I don't. again, I I don't think that's the thing. I think he has his own separate concerns from this. But I'm sure that because people think the president controls the economy, and and guys, the president does not control the economy as much as they would like to think they do in good times, or or as much as his opponents would like to think he does in times like this. 
the the president has not nothing to do with the economy, but not nearly as much as you think. This is a widespread, very serious crisis, some of which is caused by government shutdown, some of which is caused by people just being scared, and they're not going out. They're like, well, I don't want to risk getting sick, so instead of going out to eat three times a week, I'm going to go out to eat once a month. That's At least now that the restaurants are open, which they've only been open for, what, a month? Exactly. Like, you know, if, if literally you can't work, you know, how is how is the economy going to grow? How, how are we going to how are we going to have like a, a GDP remaining steady during this time? There's still tons of businesses. And, you know, we've talked about this on this show plenty of times. There's still tons of businesses that have no idea when they can even open. Governor Cuomo is still going on about like, well, we never authorized bars to open. You can't go into an establishment just to have a drink anymore. You have to be serving food. Only restaurants are allowed to be open, and you can serve beer there. But no, you can't open a bar. When is that stuff going to open? Yeah. We don't know. Well, I, we it, have no idea. Uh, I, what's going to happen, of course, is that the blue state governors are going to drag this out as long as they possibly can because what they want to do is keep the American population miserable and confined and frustrated and angry as much as possible and pile every aggravation on they possibly can because people tend to, at least historically, now, I'm not convinced that that's going to be the case in November, but historically what they do is they throw the bums out uh, who have been in charge uh, when things haven't gone well. But I think also the American electorate is smarter than that. I think they know that everything that's happened since March has not been the fault of President Trump and Republicans in the Senate. Yeah, you know, I... I would like to think you're right, that that people are going to see what's going on here and they, they can weigh the different pros and cons of what's happening, you know, in terms of gov- or, uh, President Trump's response to coronavirus and, and Governor Cuomo's response to, to coronavirus and Congress's response to coronavirus and, and, you know, what individual action is impacting all this stuff. But you know, historically, when the economy's down, the, the incumbent president or the incumbent party is in trouble. Um, and I think a lot of people act on that. But I, I'm telling you here on Radio for New York, you know, get, this is not a President Trump problem. I think there is a federal bureaucracy problem. I think that the CDC and the FDA were not prepared to react to this well. I don't think President Trump reacted to the crisis well. I don't think a lot of Democrat governors or Republican governors reacted to this well. I think there's a actually a, a more fundamental crisis in our elected leadership being able to respond to a crisis, either not responding enough in the beginning and now way overreacting in keeping our businesses closed now. Yeah, now, we, that's we, uh, that's all true, but it's more than it's more than just COVID. Uh, it's also the rioting. It's the Antifa stuff. It's the BLM stuff. It's the insane ongoing civil uh, chaos in America's cities, uh, the, the crime rate going up, defunding police, all of these other narratives that are being pushed by the political left. And that's, uh, I mean, we all know that the election is determined by that independent middle. You know, it's a narrow, the, the 45 percent uh, will vote for Democrats, 45 percent will vote for Republicans. You've, the determining factor is the independents and the undecideds in the middle. And those people are freaked out by all this. I mean, I think half of them want to tune out and they're not sure who to blame for it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's that's the unfortunate reality. A lot of people are like, man, you guys just don't have a handle on this. And by you guys, I mean Republicans and Democrats, all of our elected leaders don't have a handle on this, that you're not able to, to deal with the very real rising crime rates in our cities 
in an effective manner. You're not able to deal with the government abuses uh, that are coming from uh, police officers. You're not able to deal with the fact that uh, there are still, in some places, a lot of people dying from coronavirus, and that in places where coronavirus seems to be under control, that we're still under the government thumb. Again, I think people are frustrated. The folks that I talk to in the middle are either, again, tuned out, or they're so frustrated that they, they just want to be like, forget it. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to support any of these folks. And I think that that, that does spell trouble for, for President Trump in a lot of cases, too. Uh, but also any other incumbent that's up in this chaotic year. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the, the glaring example is New York State. Now, I believe the report this morning was we had the lowest COVID infection rate and the lowest death rate in the state since March. Uh, and that's a great that's great news. Phase four. My understanding was phase four means everything's back open again. Why are we not all back open again? Why is Seabreeze Amusement Park not open? Why are the movie theaters not open? Uh, you can f- perpetually make the argument. Well, we don't want to go back to where we were before. Yeah, that's speculation. No, I mean, on the state level, we we got to set a metric for that. Okay, like what what's the metric for phase five then? Okay, is it like zero infections? Is it, you know, only a handful of infections? Is it zero deaths? Like, I mean, we there have been several – the last few weeks, there have been many, many days in, in Monroe County where I live where there have been zero deaths. That's wonderful news. This is a, a you know, a, a mid-sized metro area, and we're not getting any. Okay, so, like, let's start shifting back to normal. We can be careful about stuff. Fine. But, like, when we need to set a metric when this ends. And, I mean, I know, know I, I know Cuomo's upset about the Hamptons. You know, he's always he's always got his <laughs> underwear and a bunch about uh, people partying at bars in the Hamptons. So if they're look, if they're violating the liquor laws down there, suspend their their liquor license for three weeks. That'll get their attention. That's fair enough. I mean, also, some of that I don't even like either. But all right, well, we've run out of time for the day, though. Thanks again for joining us here on Radio for New York. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you. Then.